So I've been asked by about 20 people this morning already, what accent do you have for us in your preach? And I'm sad to say that when I prepared this preach, there was no accent at all. There was no accent opportunity. But I don't want to disappoint you. So I felt like I need to work with what God has given me naturally. So I'm going to go a little bit more Essex than normal. And I'm going to say, oh, shut up. In it. Does it really say that in a word? And I'm going to go a little bit more Essexy for you today. But not through the whole preach because that will really annoy you. But there you go. There's the accent for those. I'm working on my Japanese accent. And I'm working on my Scottish accent with the help of Kenny and James. So they will be up and coming in the new year. Get ready, get ready, get ready. So... So today, um, I want to talk to you about risky faith. And it starts with telling you about preparation. Because at the moment, we are in preparation season, are we not, for Christmas? It's the 3rd of December. That means there's not many weekends to go. And like me, you are probably preparing presents, writing lists, deciding who's naughty and nice on your list. No, that's Santa's job. But you are preparing your list, preparing to get ready for Christmas. And when I host Christmas Day at our house, I like to prepare in advance of what people are going to receive with the food front. I lay the table the night before, get the crackers on the table, get it all decorated and looking lovely, ready for when people come, that it's there for them to take their seat. I prepare the vegetables the night before, sit them in salt water overnight. I've got many a recipe to share. And I get everything prepared so that on the day, the turkey goes in the oven and the table is set and people are welcome to come and receive. And the same way that I have preparation, our Father in heaven has prepared so much for each of our lives. He has set the table before us and he says, come and partake in the feast that I lay before you. Come and get ready for what I want to serve you. And it's always good. And it's always exceedingly, abundantly above what we could ask or imagine. And he lays his feast ready. But in order for us to come and partake, we need to prepare ourselves with our faith. On this journey of life, we need faith. James has shared with us about this this morning already. We need to have faith that moves the mountains. Faith to step out of the boat and walk on the water towards Jesus. And I want to talk to you today about preparing yourself in your faith to stretch it a little bit more. Because we've all got faith here. Because those of us that have come into relationship with Jesus, that takes faith. You've made a decision on faith based on what you've read in the Word to come into relationship with Jesus. And the faith gets stretched, and many of us have been Christians a long time. And faith comes in steps, and we go deeper, and we walk further into this journey of faith. But today I want to challenge you. Are you going to get ready in the coming up to the new year to stretch your faith that little bit more? To believe a little bit more of what God's word says? To take him at his word that he is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do? To believe for the faith that shakes mountains? To believe for the faith that changes circumstances and situations? To believe for the faith of miracles and healing and of salvation of that person who you think, can they ever come to Jesus? I want to talk to you about unshakable, risky, stepping out of the boat faith this morning. So like last Sunday night when Pastor Barry spoke, I need some response to this message. I need some people to get a little bit rowdy in the house today. So when you agree with something, you can shout amen, you can shout preach it, you can shout accent, whatever you want to shout at me. But I want you to get it in your heart today. I want to stir up your faith to a new level because there is so much more to come church for us, his people. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence in what we're hoping for. Assurance of what we do not see. 
And why can we have that confidence and assurance? Because our confidence and assurance is in the Most High God. He will not fail us. He will not let us down. Every promise in the Bible for us is yes and amen. This is the God in whom we trust. This is the God where we say, this is my life. I place it in your hands. That is faith. Extending our faith is so important in this new season. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we live by faith and not by sight. We need to get our spiritual vision on in this time, church. We need to stop looking at what we see in the natural and believe in the assurance and confidence of what we're going to see and what we hope for that God will do. And this faith, by living by faith and not by sight, it doesn't mean God leaves you to stumble around in the dark in your life, that he leaves you to bump into things. Because that's what happens to me at night when I live by faith and not by sight. Because often, especially when the children were a lot younger, they'd wake up for that feed. We all know that mums, don't we, that 2 a.m. feed where you're like, you're startled by that cry. You're like, what's happened? Is it the second coming? No, it's just my baby. It's time for that feed. And I get out of bed and at night everything is put away neatly. But I tell you what, my feet will find it in the dark. Because I get out of bed and I'm like, eyes half shut. Is this really, have I got to go and feed? Okay, let's go and do this. And I walk out and, you know, that cupboard just sticks out a little bit further. That, that <laughs> Dan's laughing because there, there are so many broken toe instances and bruises that have happened. And I trip over something. He put a coat hanger by the side of the wardrobe the other week. But I call my feet found it. The wardrobe's miles from my bed, but oh, they found it in the middle of the night. And I tripped over. But one time, remember when Amy was young, I thought I'd left the bedroom door open. And I went out to go into her room. And I ran straight into the thing and had a cracking bruise across my forehead. Because I was living by faith and not by sight for that but that's not a good place to live in it but the good thing is that God doesn't leave us in our life to live like that he says you can put your trust and your faith in me because I am faithful I am faithful and true I am the perfecter of your faith so trust me to go a little bit deeper to stretch a little bit further of what your belief system is to go beyond so you can receive and partake all that he has at the table for you when Jesus ascended to heaven, there's some verses in Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 25. So this is after Jesus died, rose again, and ascended to heaven. This is what we're called to be as Christians. This is in relation for you today, a call to persevere in your faith, because faith takes some work. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So much in this scripture to encourage our faith. That faith is a journey. Faith is a step by step. That we need to have that faith to know that we have the access to the Father. Aren't you glad that we can go straight into the throne room of God today because of Jesus? That our past is dealt with. I want to say that to people today. It's almost like your past keeps reoccurring and reoccurring and coming back in a way to haunt you. But Jesus said it's finished. I've dealt with it. It was dealt with at the cross. You have been sprinkled with that blood. You are cleansed with that water. So now go forward in your faith. 
But many of us are looking backwards and God's saying, look for now. I've dealt with that. It's time to stretch your faith, to believe for the more, to believe for your life. It's being a different place than perhaps you're experiencing right now. We can enter into that very place of God. Let's consider how we may spur another one, another one, uh, and one another on. Try saying that with their accent. That went Jamaican then. But there we go. But we need to spur one another on. And I'm going to look at that a little bit further. But this is just such a great passage of scripture to know that he is faithful and true. Where's our faith at? Who is our faith in? You know, we have access to Father God. And I just, it excites me of how much God has for us and has done for us and the places he is taking us to. You know, we believe in the one that moves the mountains. That stirs you up. We believe in the one that raised the dead, that healed the sick, that saw the blind healed. Same God. Yes yesterday, today, and forever. He's the God we serve. So if he was faithful back then, he is faithful now in your situation. So where is your faith at? What are you believing for? What are you believing for today? Are you believing for salvation in your family that you've prayed year after year after year after year after year and you've not seen it? Are you believing for that? Is it healing you need today? Is it just to have your faith stretched a bit more that God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do? Is it for a business plan that you're like, do I step out? Do I not? Do I hold back? Do you need to sell that house and it's a step of faith? Do you need to invest in that? It's a step of faith. Do you need to say, okay, I'm going to give dating a go again? It's a step of faith. Where's your faith at? Where's your faith at in your ministry? Where do you know God wants to take you to but you're a little bit scared to step out of the boat? Where's that faith that's going to be stretched in this season to say, okay, God, I'm going to prepare myself by stepping out and you're going to meet me right where I am because you call me to walk on the water where my eyes are fixed on you. So where's your faith at today? Because faith needs to be worked at. We can't just stand there and say, okay, I've got faith, I've got faith, I've got faith. We've got to work at it. We've got to step out and give God something to work at. We're going to say, do you know what, God, I'm going to go for this in this business. It's an opportunity. I'm thinking, shall I do it, shall I not? And I'm going to go for it. And you're going to meet me on the other side of it. That faith has to be worked out. Faith needs to be stepped out at. This is what I feel I need to do in my ministry. And it's scary. And I've got not everything lined up. The ducks are not all in a row, but I'm trusting you, God. So I'm going to step out and give it a go. Even though I'm afraid, I'm going to do it and see you meet me where I'm at. Faith needs to be worked out because each of us have been given a deposit of faith. And we need to exchange that and grow in that faith and make it larger and bigger. And that comes on our part of relationship with Jesus and stepping out. You know, I did my food shopping this week in Tesco's. Oh dear, I've given it a plug online, Tesco's, because it's the closest one to me. And I went in and when I'd done my shopping, I went and put my bank card into the pin reader, put my pin in, and I was confident I could pay for the shopping I'd put in my trolley. Because earlier in the week, I'd deposited into my bank money that would cover the shopping that I'd bought. And it's the same with faith, you see. You need to have a deposit of faith that you've already banked in there to know that when you need to draw on your faith, it's already in there. And you can say, I'm confident that I have got what it takes because I've got my faith in Jesus and I'm stepping out. That it's already in there. There's a deposit, but you've got to make it grow. And so the card goes in the reader and the money goes through and the transaction is complete. It's the same with faith. And the more you do faith, the more it, your faith increases and grows, the more you step out. And maybe you got believe God for a little bit bigger. Because there's some people that think, oh, that's too much to believe God for. What, the creator of the universe, <laughs> the one who holds our world in his hands, here there's nothing too impossible for God. Nothing is too impossible for God. But maybe your faith has been knocked. 
Because I know some people will sit here and say, but you know, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and prayed and I'm still sick. That I've trusted and I've trusted and I've stepped out and my business is still looking bleak. That in my studies, I'm doing all that I can and I'm just not making the grades. But I want to say to you, if that's, if that's the case with you, well, you say, well, I've trusted God on that faith stuff, so I'm just going to shelve it for now because I don't believe in it because it hasn't worked. I want to say to you today, do it again. Step out in faith again. Go again. Don't let a knock of faith keep you in a place of saying, I'm never going to see it. Because it might just be that next prayer that you see the breakthrough. It might just be when you step out that little bit further into the business world that you see those contracts coming in. It might be that that one more step of faith where you say, God, I'm trusting you on this. He's going to give you the exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond what you could have asked or imagined when you place your life in his hands. I want to say go again. Because there was a man in the Bible called Elijah who had to do this very thing. He had his faith tested. He was a prophet to Israel at the time. And at the time, God spoke through his prophets to the people. That was the only way of communication from God to his people was through the prophet. So if the prophet spoke, people listened because it was a direct line from God. And so Elijah was in the land of Israel and they'd not had rain for many years. And you say that and you think, oh yeah, not rain for many years. Can you imagine England without rain for many years? Wow, we have rain a lot, don't we? <laughs> but imagine it for not many years, no rain. Therefore, there was famine in the land. Crops were failing. People were hungry and thirsty. And Elijah, God spoke to Elijah and gave him this message and said, go to King Ahab and tell him, get ready, because I hear the sound of heavy rain. In 1 Kings 18, verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is sound of heavy rain. So in a land where rain had not fallen for many, many years, and there was famine, there was hunger, people were in a place of desperation and need, God says to Elijah, go and tell him that you hear the sound of heavy rain. There was not even a drop of rain. There was no natural sound of heavy rain at all. And yet Elijah went up to the king of the land who had the power to put him to death and said, um, get ready because I hear the sound of heavy rain. But what was it Elijah heard? Do you know what I believe it was he heard? He heard the faith stir within his heart that Almighty God has said to him it's going to rain. And therefore, if God says it, he's going to do to it because he's true to his word and true to his promise. And therefore, I can announce that there will be heavy rain because I hear it ringing in my heart. And before even a drop comes, I hear the sound of rain because God has said it and he'll do it. God has said stuff over your life in church. He's going to do it because it's in his word. He is faithful and true. His word is everlasting. It will come to pass. Elijah heard that. Elijah then positioned himself to receive, and he did that through prayer. We could look at 1 Kings 18, verses 42 to 45. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, and I love that. He's like, okay, the prophet comes, it's going to rain. Fantastic, I'll go and have a meal, eat and drink, and I'll go. He gets ready. But Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. He bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. He prayed. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. He's going to look for rain, the evidence of the promise. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The servant goes. There's nothing. He comes back. The servant goes. Elijah, there's nothing. He comes back. But Elijah, standing on that faith and the hope of the word that had been spoken, there's going to be rain. There's going to be rain seven times. What was the servant thinking? Are you a madman? Do I trust him? Do I keep going up the mountain and checking? 
keeps going and coming back seven times. He went again. He went again. He went again. He didn't give up. Seven times. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Seven times, go back, go back, and then the rain came. And it started off small, the size of a man's hand, small, but then the clouds developed, and then they got darker, and the sky grew black, and then the heaviness of that rain came. Can you imagine that moment of when Elijah actually heard and felt the rain falling on him? God, you are true to your word. You are true to your promise. And maybe some of us are in that place if I don't see the rain yet. But you're going to see the rain in your life. You're going to see it flood down because we're entering rainy season. You've got to believe it and have the faith for it. You know, that stuff you've been battling and dealing with and going through year after year and time after time. Just maybe, just maybe the rain is coming now to refresh you, to pour down on you, to see that breakthrough that you're believing for, that as you let faith arise, his blessing will fall down and circumstances will be changed. Can I challenge you again today, church, to go again, to believe again that you've had your hopes dashed, that that person died, but go again and pray for the next one, that stir it up within you that my God is still true to his word, that we will go again and be a church full of faith and saying we don't see it yet. But have this confidence and assurance of what I will see. And I believe you at your word. We go back to Hebrews 10, the verses 24 to 25, the bottom section of what I read earlier. And it says, this is to persevere in faith. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. This is how we grow in faith because we spur one another on. Do you know when you're going through something, you're like, I just don't see where God is in this. When I come alongside you and say, come on. Stir up that faith. God is good. His promises are yes and amen. He sees your end from the beginning. He is with you. He is for you. He can change things that you can't even imagine. He can turn stuff around. He's the God of the turnaround. When we spur one another on, when we encourage one another, when we get to church and we're in the place together, when we're like, we're going for you, God. We're believing together. Something changes. It's about the togetherness. So I urge you, keep in the house. Keep in the house. God is in the house. So keep here and just lean together to encourage one another through the good times and through the bad times. You know, a few years back, um, Dan and I had got a friend who was going through a recurring illness. Constantly would get ill, then better, ill, then better. And it was really taking its toll on his life. He couldn't work for days on end because of it. He was getting really depressed and really down. He's in a different church from us and he'd had prayer, he'd had counselling, he'd gone to the doctors, he'd done everything he could and he was just believing to get healed and set free of this illness. And so he came to Dan one day and he said, would you guys pray for me? Just Can we just give it a shot and you pray for me? So he came round and we did everything that we knew to do by what the Bible tells us. We laid hands on him, we worshipped together, we prayed for him, we believed, we spoke positivity over him, we prophesied into his future. We had an amazing time. And at the end of it, I'll never forget it, we sort of asked the person afterwards, hey, how are you doing now? You know, you're right. Anything else you want to share, chat through stuff? And he just looked at us and he said, he said, I'm, I'm just blown away. And we were like, 
okay, why is that? Is it the coffee? Is it that good? Because Dan does make a good coffee. But we, we weren't sure, but he said, that's the first time in many years anyone has ever prayed for me and I've believed the words that they're praying because something of faith has stirred up when you pray. He said, you, you've prayed and you, you've prayed into my future and, and you've prayed healing over my body and you've prayed deliverance from this sickness and there's something in your words that I actually believe what you're saying. And you know, that is only because of the faith of Jesus that is in us to believe the word, what it says he will do. And so we, as we laid hands on him, we left it with God. But I tell you what, to this day, he doesn't suffer with that illness anymore. It stopped. And it's because his faith was spurred on because the faith in us, that he got there's some faith in there and I can believe for my healing. And I want to say there's some faith in you that someone else needs to see so that they can believe for their healing. So you've got to stir it up and you've got to speak it out. Come on, God is good and he's true to his word. There's power when we speak. You know, we are the church. Kesed is the church. We are a section of the whole church. When God looks down, he sees our church. And I want to say, where do you see Kesed in one year? Where do you see Kesed in five years? You know, Baron Sarah are in the room now, so I can talk about them. It's brilliant. But these guys have got an amazing vision for this church. They have got stuff that God has told them and given them to build this church. And we are going to see the stuff that God has promised them and has given them. We have had so much prophecy over this church and we've seen some of it, but we've not seen it all yet because we're going somewhere. But I want to say to you today, where does your faith see this church? How big is this church going to get to impact the town? What facility will we have so that the communities can come in and be blessed by the church just because we are the church? What salvation do we see when we can hold youth events and see 35, 60 people come in saying, yeah, I want Jesus? How big do you see your ministry growing in this church? Is there something on the inside of you that's not even been birthed yet because you're like, where can I put that in the church? And God is saying, do you see it bigger? Are you going to pray those prayers of faith that's going to stretch and see the church bigger than we ever can imagine it? Because that's what it takes, it's taking faith. And when Barry gets stirred, it's amazing. But when he gets a whole lot of people behind him and say, we're with you, Barry. Yet we're believing it. Yet we're going to champion you. We're going to see it. We pray and get around him. It stirs something in him that says, okay, we can do this. Because God says, I will build my church. And we are part of the building of the church. Are you in faith for this house? You know, those of us with children. What does a church look like in 10 years when we've got loads of teenagers running around? I want to see on fire teenagers that are so passionate about their Jesus that their friends cannot but come to church because they see the fire of God in our children. What are we believing for? Where is stirring our faith up for our church? You know, as Barry said earlier, we've taken our Build the House offering over the last few weeks. And I love the concept of Build the House because it's my opportunity to say, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And I'm going to put my money, whether it's one pound or a hundred thousand pound, into that Build the House offering to say, God, I am sowing a seed that in years to come, someone else is going to get their salvation. Someone else is going to be blessed. Someone else is going to come into a worship service and in their brokenness find healing because I sowed some money in years before. That I see that as a seed that we can actually put in and say, God, you are going to expand through my seed. You're going to see the harvest of this house expanded by what I can give now. And it's not about the amount, but it's about the heart behind it. Will I sow in? Will I say, okay, I believe in this vision, that this is my house? You know, at home, in your house, there is something about 
having a nice house to come home in, that we don't treat it like rubbish, don't throw rubbish all over the floor in your house. I hope you don't anyway, because I'll be around with my bin bag to tidy it up for you. But there's a respect and there's an honour about your house. And there's a respect and an honour about God's house that we're saying, I'm going to build it and I'm going to throw my weight behind it. And whatever I can give to do that, I'm going to sow a seed. And it's a step of faith because Dan and I have written down our pledge that we are promising to pay by the end of March. And that's a step of faith for us. That is not in the bank at the moment. But I know as we work and as we sow and as we trust God and we have faith for that, I know that we will be able to pay that on the 25th of March next year. And you know why I know that? Because he did it last year and he's going to do it this year. And so I've increased what we've put in the be- on the pledge because I know God's going to increase because he's increasing my heart to say, put your money where your mouth is. See that I am true to my word and I know that there will be more than enough to pay for that next year because I'm going to sow in faith. What are you sowing in faith for your own life, for your marriage, your family, your business? What are you believing for God to do more than you can ask or imagine for? What are you giving him to work with? Are you bold enough to pray the big prayers? Because sometimes we're all right praying the little prayers. But when it gets a little bit like, oh, the big prayers. But I want to say, church, pray the big prayers. Open your mouth to believe what God will do with a heart of faithfulness that says, I trust you. I trust you, Jesus. There's power in togetherness. Ephesians 3, verses 17 to 19. So Paul speaking. So, Well, we think actually Ephesians. I think it was written by Paul. Yeah. So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. When we come to church and we come in faith together, we expand how wide and how high we see God. Our faith gets expanded by when we have the testimony of one another of saying, yeah, I felt like that, but God's got me through that. Yeah, I was sick, but now I'm healed. That stirs something within us in the togetherness. And then we're filled to the measure of the fullness of God. You see, I think there's more of the fullness of God to be seen in our churches. I think there's more of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we're going to see in the days to come. And we have to be in faith for that, to believe it. And once one person jumps about and gets crazy in their faith of saying, I'm going to be on it, God. I'm going to believe you for what you've said in the word. And I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to grab everything that you've laid at that table before me. When I get like that, you see, then Matt Beals gets like that. And then Kevin gets like that. And then Lisa gets like that. And we spur one another on. And we encourage one another that this is not just crazy, oh, yeah, We're believing in God, the creator of the universe. We can put our hope and our trust in the one who gave it all for us. Let's be rooted and established in love. One of our things is Kess said is real love, real life. And we are known in this town as a church. You guys really love each other. You're the huggy church. And that's good to be known like that. But let's get more established in our love for one another. To say the great thing and to say the harsh thing. To love each other in the good times and the bad times. To be thick in it together. There's so many people of faith in the word that we can look at and their stories have encouraged us. Like Noah, you know, often we think, oh, children's story, you know, Bible story in Sunday school. But wow, that took some guts in the middle of a dry, arid land to build a whacking great boat because a flood was coming. 
what a crazy man in the natural. But I'm glad he was a crazy fool for Jesus <laughs> because he said, I'm going to do it, God. I'm going to do it. I'm going to build that boat. That took some guts to do that. People mocked him and laughed at him and ridiculed him. But when the rain came, they saw that God was true to his word. And like Sarah in the Bible, you know, there she was in the maternity ward of the hospital at the time, queuing up for her three-month scan. And they're looking at her like, hey, Grandma, what are you doing here? You know, hey, how old are you, 90 now? Yeah, can't wait to see. Maybe they could tell me if it's a boy or a girl. They had the technology back then. You just didn't know about it. You know, after all, they did have tablets back then, didn't they? You know, when it, when it went up, you wrote on the tablet. There we go. Oh, dear. That wasn't in the script. There you go. It replaces the accents. Happy days. But, but she looked foolish in the natural. But when the bump started to show, ah, God is true to his word. He is faithful and true. And even though you might be facing the most impossible situation at the moment, God is faithful and true. And he can break through in ways you can't imagine if you just trust him. He can change circumstances up and make your tomorrow different from you ever believed it could be. Because that's the God of the word. He is true to his word. So I want to look at the story of Esther. You see, Esther went through a preparation process. She was a young Jewish girl. And there was an opportunity. The king Xerxes wanted a new wife. So he put out a, a, a um, beauty pageant and he said all the young maidens of the land could come and like audition, a bit like X Factor back in the day, to see who he would like to marry. And so girls were selected and they had one year where they would live in the palace and they came into a place of preparation. And as many of us probably know the story, she was bathed in oils to make her skin beautiful. Everything was beautified, had the finest clothes, the finest food and drink, all ready for her preparation to meet the king that he might just want to marry her. But I think more than that, I think in that year of preparation, Almighty God was doing something on the inside of Esther so that she would be prepared to be a woman of faith that would take God at his word and go in and make a difference for a whole nation to be saved. Because Esther was selected to be the queen and she married Xerxes. And their marriage was going well, but then she found out, and you can read the story for yourself, but there was a plot by an evil man in the palace called Haman to kill off all the Jews who she was one of. And he had devised these awful plans of how he would wipe out a nation. He was like a, a forerunner for Hitler and how he'd get rid of all these Jewish people. And he planned it. And then Esther had an opportunity. See, she was the queen's wife. She had the opportunity to go into the king and say something that would make a difference and save a whole generation of people. And she had an uncle called Mordecai who she lived with before she went into the palace. And he was getting word of what was going to happen and he was communicating with the palace. And he was writing to her because there was some doubt that set in her heart of can I be the one that goes in to speak to the king? Because at the time, if you wanted to speak and communicate with the king, he had to call you to his courts. But if he did call you, you had to wait for the scepter to be raised. Once he raised his scepter, it meant you could come in and communicate with him. But if his scepter was not raised, it was death. Aren't you glad that we can come into the very throne room of God? That we don't need to wait for a scepter to be raised? That we can go in with our requests and our desires? We can go in with our hurts and our issues and we can go and speak to the one who created us just like that? Not waiting for a time or an opportunity, but the scepter is always raised because Jesus tore the veil and made a way. But so she had this opportunity and we're going to read it in Esther 4, verses 14 to 16. And this is her uncle speaking to her. When doubt has set in, do I go and do what I can do? Should I speak up for such a time as this? And this is what Mordecai says. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. 
And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. It's risky faith right there. Okay, I've got this opportunity for such a time as this. I've been preparing for a whole year in advance. And this is what I was really preparing for, not some beauty pageant to be the queen, but to be positioned in a place that I had the king's ear, to wait for the scepter to be raised, to walk in and make my request known to the king. Risky faith, because she knew if the scepter was not raised, if he was in a bad mood or she was not pleasing to him, instant death for her. But risky faith said, if I perish, I perish. I love risky faith. God, if I step out in that ministry, and if it doesn't go right, it doesn't go right because you still got me. <laughs> if I step out in that business and, and in that family situation, if I'm the one that speaks up, God, I know you've got me. So if it fails, it fails. But God, you've got me. Are we going to have that kind of faith that says, if I perish, I perish? That I will stand for you, I'll believe for you, that I'll speak up? Because faith has a voice. Faith has a voice. And the voice that faith has is, I'm going to say what I see. And then when I see it, people will believe it. Because when I speak it out, people are going to say, okay, I see it. You see, faith said the rain is going to come, Ahab. Okay, I believe it. But Elijah had to see it first with the eyes of faith. And then he announced it and people believed it. And just like this story, that actually when she spoke up, she did not remain silent. And when she spoke those words to say, okay, if I perish, I perish, I'll do it. She went in, the scepter was raised. And the story unfolds that a whole nation of Jewish people were saved because she spoke up. Because faith has a voice. There is a sound behind faith that says, okay, I'm stepping out in faith. I'm going to pray for you and you will be healed. And then people listen to your words. Okay, they're going to be healed. And then when they see that person healed, faith has stepped in. Faith has a voice. What's your voice of faith? What are you going to ask God for? What are you believing for? What are you going to step out in that's a little bit risky and say, okay, God, I trust you that you're going to meet me where I'm at. It's getting towards lunchtime. So there's a few tummies that are starting to rumble in this house. And they're going to rumble a little bit more, unless you're vegetarian. So sorry about that, Stella. But I want to talk about KFC. Everyone loves a bit of the kernel, don't they? Come on, those chicken wings. Very biblical. I will rise up on the wings, you see, of eagles. So it's very biblical, KFC. And there's a little bit about a Zinger burger, isn't there, in there? Or, or the uh, boneless box. That's a favorite, isn't it? Got to have a bit of that. Unless you like the, no, I always say no, you need a bit of meat in there. need a little bit of bones in there, don't we? We need the, the proper stuff. But, you know, I've got to mention KFC in church because we all know KFC. I remember going to holiday to Cyprus once and we're like, oh, I can't wait to try all the Cypriot food. And I looked over there, was the colonel. KFC was right there. I was like, that is not traditional Cypriot food. But there was the colonel. Um, but they're everywhere now, aren't they? And we know the success of KFC, a multi-million pound company. But do you know the story behind KFC? Because it wasn't a success to begin with. Because there's good old Colonel Sanders, and you see his face on KFC, don't you? The white beard and everything. Love a bit of the Sanders. We used to keep the little, you know, the wet wipes you get. Dan's laughing because we've still got some from 1984 in the drawer at home. They won't wipe anything, but they're, they're still in there. And his face is on them, the Colonel. 
But he started out in business. He had so many failings. One failure after another failure. He had a wife and children to support. He had issues in his family and extended family. He kept stepping out and trying and it didn't work. And he kept stepping out in this and it didn't work. And he tried that and it didn't work. And then one day he tried to make chicken with the 11 secret spices. You know, the, the secret recipe that no one knows about. And he started to make this chicken and he was in a garage and he used to sell it as a sideline to the garage at the time. And it took off. And it started to get more and more popular. And then before you know it, his business started to develop. And things started to happen. And then all across America, chains of KFC popped up. And then all across the world. And now we know it as a standard business today in this day and age of KFC. And what I love about the story is that in his 70s, he's about 76, he became a Christian, Colonel Sanders. He went to a church and the pastor started to befriend him. And he went up to him one day and he knelt down beside him and said, would you like to give your heart to Jesus? And he said, yes, I would. And he went on a journey. He was baptized at the age 77 and he became a Christian. And I love that towards the end of his life, his legacy was this. He quoted at 90 years old, I always figured that there is no use being the richest man in the cemetery. You cannot operate from there. People don't know that I gave most of my money away. Most of it goes to churches. I just love that. I love that, you see. He came to know Jesus later in life, a successful businessman. But then when he came to know Jesus, do you know what he did with the harvest he produced? He gave it away. And he gave it to the church that therefore funded things so that you and I in years to come stood in a church one day and put our hands up to Jesus because he'd sowed a seed in. And I love that he says that there's no use being the richest man in the cemetery. What's the point in that? So might as well give it away. But you know, there's stuff in us, church, that we haven't stepped out yet in faith, that unless we do, it'll end up in the cemetery. There's books that haven't been written in this house because it's a step of faith to do it. There's ministries that haven't been birthed yet because you're like, well, can I do that? What about the obstacles? Haven't got this, that and the other. There's dreams that haven't been fulfilled and hopes that we haven't seen yet because we're a little bit too scared to step out. But I want to encourage you today, step out in faith. Believe God that he is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. And he will be with you every step of the way. And then give it back to him like the colonel. Sow it back into his house. Sow your gift, your ministry, your calling, what you've got, your finance into the house so that you will see a blessing come about, not for you, but for someone else that needs Jesus. It's time to live by faith now. Invite the team up. Time to live by faith now and not wait till eternity. Because in eternity, it's, it's all done. But now you've got an opportunity. And I don't want to be known as somebody that never took a risk, that was played it safe, that was miscomfortable. I want to be somebody that takes risks and steps out of the boat. And even when it feels a bit rocky, that eyes on Jesus, I walk on the water. Eyes on Jesus, mountains can move. Obstacles are out of the way. I want to be known as somebody that when I do pray, that my prayers are powerful and effective because I've got faith of Jesus to see the breakthrough. I want to believe for the more than what I'm seeing now. There's people in my family that are not yet saved yet. There's people I'm believing that are going to be healed that are not healed yet. But I'm going to stand on his word and his truth and see it happen. And I want to do that alongside a church of people that are full of faith, that are believing for the more than that are going to see this church grow and blossom into what God has called it to be. You know, where will we be in a year's time? Will we be in this building? Could we be in something bigger? What about five years' time? Are we going to be in that football stadium? <laughs> what are we going to be? Where are we going to be? Faith knows when we believe and have the assurance and the confidence of what we not yet see, but we're trusting God for.
Hebrews 11 verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let's seek him, church. Let's get back to that place of intimacy, of getting to that place of speaking to him again, fresh, Father, I'm believing you for this. I'm trusting you for this. That I know that my later days are going to be more glorious than my former days because I'm your church. That we are his church, his hands and his feet. And I want to stir something in your hearts today to believe for more and to say to God, do it again. Do it again. Testimony after testimony of people seeing breakthrough in certain areas of their lives. Are you up for that church? Are you believing for the more than today? If I could ask you to stand, I'd like to pray and then we will sing. We'll worship together. Father God, I want to thank you so much, Lord God, for your church, for your people here today, Father. I want to pray, Lord God, that out of this message, they would hear your voice speaking to them to increase their faith in you, Lord Jesus. That they would know that they can trust you with their lives and go a little bit deeper and step out a little bit further of the boat to trust you, Father, for this next season, Lord God. I want to pray that you would just lift off doubt and hopelessness from your church this morning. That where people have said, I've never seen it yet, so I won't ever see it. That you would break off those words, Father. And you would let hope arise again in people's hearts to see what you have for them. To believe for the breakthrough. To believe for the healing. To believe for the turnaround in the situation, Father. I pray, Lord God, that we would be a church that encourages each other in that. That when we're going through stuff, we would know and point each other to you, Jesus, for the author and finisher of our faith. That, Lord God, you would stir hearts this morning to say that there is more in you, Lord Jesus. That as we step out and trust you more, Father, I pray you take off the, the chains of restraint and the place of comfort that we're just all right as we are. But we would choose to prepare our hearts ready for more faith. We'd step out in more knowing, Lord God, that you will meet us at that place, Lord Jesus. So I thank you in advance of what you're going to do in your people and your church, Lord God. I thank you in advance of what we will see and the breakthrough we will hear about in your people today, Lord God. And I pray a blessing on each and every person here, Father God. We thank you for your love, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that you are faithful and true, that you are our everlasting Father, Lord God. And we want to give you all the glory and all the praise in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>